Thank you for joining this sermon podcast from Cornerstone Fellowship in Forest City, North Carolina. We hope that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message. Cornerstone exists to glorify God as we passionately pursue Him and make Him known through worship, discipleship, fellowship, and outreach. Here's today's message. This morning we're going to look at Acts chapter 1. And I know before you say it, when we left off in our study of 1 Peter, we were about to preach to the husbands. And I know some of you wives are thinking, I have drugged him over here for two months. And you never preach on it. I asked, I told Pastor Deese this week sometime or another recently, I said, maybe it was just meant for me. I've been studying the thing for three months now and haven't gotten to preach it yet. But today we're going to be looking at some things we're doing with missions. And so I'm kind of not doing a regular sermon, whatever that is. But I do want us, before we hear from our Echo team and some other things we're going to be doing today, I'm so excited about them. I want us to take a look at three verses in the first chapter of Acts, mainly verse 8, but we will begin reading in verse 6. Jesus is about to ascend. It says, when they had come together, now this is 40 days after he has risen from the dead. Forty days later they had come together and they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. We have been called to a mission. We, if we are born again children of God, we have a calling in our life. And I want to take a few moments this morning before we zero in on some things that uh, we've had a team doing this past week and some plans that we have as we pray together for the uttermost parts of the world. I want us to take a, a fresh look at these final words that Jesus gives us before he ascends. You will notice the disciples have asked a rather foolish question, but you'll notice Jesus barely gives them any answer at all. I've thought about it this week, just going through and looking at the times that Jesus either totally ignores a question and does not respond at all, or that he gives one of these little simple short responses, letting them know that you've missed the whole point, and that's not what I'm here to talk about. Because they're still thinking like Jews. And they're asking him, when is it? Would you tell us before you go when it is you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel after all of this time? And he tells them, he says, listen, he said, all of that is not for you to know. 
I think of other times. You remember on the cross, he totally ignored the thief who asked him to save us. Now, you're thinking, no, I don't think so. Well, that's the other thief. But there was another thief that asked him, if you really are the Christ, save yourself and us. And he didn't break into a conversation with him about, well, I really am the Christ. And uh, if you could be here in three days, you would know that. And, and let me give you some scripture passages to look up, maybe memorize or something. He does not even acknowledge that man. It's only when the other one says, Lord, remember me when you come. And he got the full attention of the creator of the universe with that humble, humble request. Jesus pretty well ignores the disciples and they're at question, but he says, there's some things you have to do. He says, you will receive power when the Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Three quick things. I wish we had time to preach this, but just look at three quick things. One, our strength that he gives us. I wasn't even going to outline the passage, but it just jumped out. And I told Sharon yesterday, there's no outline, just scripture. I got here this morning and I had uh, that, whoops, I got an outline now look on my face. And she saw it from a hundred yards away. So if it's on the screen behind me, you can thank her, okay? (laughs) But he says, first of all, look at the strength that I am going to give you. This is so important. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. If we had gone back and read verse 5, he tells them, says, John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And, And I want you to think about this. This is so important. Think about the disciples before the Holy Spirit comes upon them and afterwards. Before the Holy Spirit comes upon them, they spent three years with Jesus. They ate with him, walked with him, slept beside him. They spent day and night with him. They went through good times, bad times, all of that. They saw him do all kinds of things. They got the lion's share of his teachings and still, not one single one of them believed in the resurrection. Not one of them, every single one of them missed that. All of them were surprised, even the women. It'd be cool if we could say all the women got it, but they didn't even get it. They were the first ones to figure it out, but they didn't even get it. None of his disciples got that the entire time. They totally misunderstood the kingdom because here they are. I don't want to. I don't want to just uh, suppose here too much or imagine too much into it. But I wonder how Jesus felt after three years of teaching these guys, and and they're still talking about that Jewish idea of that one day God would come in the age to come. They had the 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 present age and the age to come, and in the middle it was divided by the day of the Lord. All of that's Jewish thinking. And they believed that one day God would come and restore the kingdom fully to Israel. And Israel would rule the world. Could you imagine in that day trying to tell a Jew that, hey, guess what? One day soon the people of God will consist far more of Gentiles than it ever has Jews. You you wouldn't make it two feet before they shot you. But it's going to happen. But they never 
got it. Now I think about other things. That the church versus Israel, they didn't get that. Also think about this. Do you think that Judas would have made it very long hanging out with the apostles after Acts chapter 2? Man, the apostle Paul could spot a Judas from 300 yards away. Even those who would preach the right things, but out of the wrong spirit, he would call them out. And he'd say, an evil spirit, come out of them, because he was tired of them saying things that might be right, but he knew that not, that person is not right. Their heart is not right. But yet Judas ate with them, hung out with them for three solid years, and you get all the way to the Last Supper, and the disciples still don't have a clue which one he is. I'd say these guys aren't doing too well without the Holy Spirit. But it's just like people nowadays. Many today have that same vague, faint, personalized sort of understanding with Christ because they have not been filled with the Spirit of God. Now, that doesn't mean they've saved and they just hadn't got there yet. No, it means they don't really have a relationship with God. Because when you have a relationship with God, you are filled with His Spirit, and His Spirit lives within you, and it transforms your life. I wish we had time to preach this. It'd be something. But I think about what Paul told Timothy. He said, Timothy, I'll lay it out for you. He said, in the last days, perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves, haters of God, all of that stuff. And then he gets to the end, and he says, they will have a form of godliness, but they will deny the power thereof. They won't be able to see me for who I really am. I, I, I have great friends and people I love and people I know, and they got tremendous head knowledge, man. They could uh, theologize most church members I know that are born again under the table. They're really smart. They're really sharp. Read all the time. They're into the theological, the deep uh, scientific uh, aspects of it and all of that. They've studied, and, and they've got all of that going, but... Man, that relationship with God, they, they still are wondering about the resurrection, and it's already happened. They still don't see Jesus for who He is. They still don't understand the kingdom of God. They're still thinking, oh, one of these days it's just all going to work out, and we're just all going to be in heaven together, and it's just going to be wonderful. They have no spirit of God. They looked like disciples before they ever got it. But look at the disciples afterwards quickly. Man, they were incredible. Did you notice here that Jesus tells them, this is how the Spirit will come on you. You will be baptized. And we already know, if you've been around here very long, baptizo is the word for immerse. It means you disappear. In ancient times, they would use that word to talk about a ship sinking. Baptismos is the noun, but it would be a, the, the ship, it sank. It went out of sight. It didn't say it broke out into a rainstorm. That would be a Methodist ship. No, it went under. It went under. It disappeared. And God is telling us this is such a great truth. It convicted my heart so much in the last couple of days just thinking about it because when the Holy Spirit comes upon us the way it's supposed to, and when I let him have his full rule and reign in my life, I disappear. 
I, the, the me disappears. I, man, I can tell you, I, I, I have some appearance, buddy. I got opinions. I got ideas. I don't mind telling you about them. I got strong positions. I got all kinds of convictions. I got all kinds of things. I make people mad just about every day of my life. And, 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 and a lot of times I don't mean to, but boy, I just get going. And, and if I'm not careful, though, that might sound good. But if I'm not careful, sometimes I find myself being a little too visible. I'm supposed to be invisible. Totally immersed. When you look at me, you should see the power of God, not the opinion of Mike. I'm afraid I fail in that area sometimes. A little too visible. Well, how will we know if we have that spirit within us? So glad you asked. Wish we had time to preach on it. But Paul says in Galatians 5, He said, well, when the Spirit is in you, it manifests itself in nine ways. Through love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. Man, that's our strength. We're going to talk about some missions today. we won't do it on our own. We'll look like these bumbling disciples hanging out with Judas, wondering, wonder which one of us is the devil. I bet it's you. I, can you imagine those conversations going on? You look like the devil. Mama said. I mean, they would just imagine that. They didn't know who Judas was. They didn't really know who Jesus was. But boy, when the Spirit of God came on them, Read Peter's sermon in Acts chapter 2 and tell me that's not a different man. Oh, my goodness. The Spirit of God will change a lot of things in our churches. Our strength, our status. Secondly, he says, you will be my witnesses. The word witness occurs 29 times in the book of Acts. That's what our status is. That's what we are called to do is to be witnesses. Witnesses for God. Now, the best witnesses are the ones who are connected to the event that took place. In the court of law, if you call an expert witness, he or she will likely be your weakest witness because he or she probably was not there when the guy robbed the bank. He's analyzing the blood and he's looking at the shoe prints and and, and, and all of that and, and, and how the guy left and he's viewing the videotapes and all that. But he wasn't there. He is a forensic scientist. But if you can find one old uneducated homeless dude that was sitting outside the bank when the guy left that made eye contact with him, boom! You've got your witness. Because he actually met the guy. And it's the same way when we are witnesses for Jesus Christ. Theologians make some of the worst witnesses in the world. I had professors in seminary that I'm not sure, honestly, whether they were truly born again or not. And I'm not judging them. I'm just telling you what they felt about being born again, how they saw it. Well, that's one way of looking at it. And uh, yes, uh, we all need a relationship with God, but... 
perhaps when we go to the Muslim world, it would be better instead of trying to convert them if we just help them to discover the richness of their own faith heritage. Does that sound like somebody to you (laughs) that's met Jesus? No. Theologians make terrible witnesses sometimes. They want to parse Greek verbs. They're worse than me. They want to go, well, you know, this tense here is, is an aorist. And I tried my best to restrain myself from telling you this being baptized with the Spirit is in the aorist tense. And it wasn't something that was going to happen over and over at different times, come and go. It was going to happen one time, once and for all. And then when the Spirit came upon them, it would be there forever. See, I didn't say that. I tried so hard not to. Theologians don't make good witnesses sometimes. But boy, I had a grandmother, had a third grade education. She made a great witness. You know why? Because she met him eye to eye, heart to heart, face to face. And she's with him now. That's what we're called to be. And then last of all, our scope. Where are we to go? Strength, status. Our scope, first of all, he says, start in Jerusalem. And then on all of Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. I think it's worth mentioning. I don't think it's just coincidental that if you divide Acts into Excuse me, three sections, Acts 1 through 7. Chapters 1 through 7 takes place in Jerusalem. Uh, 8 through 12 takes place in Samaria and Judea. And then 13 through 28 takes place in the uttermost parts of the world. And they obeyed what he said. Start, though, here in Jerusalem. That is my present location. Sometimes that's the toughest mission field. And I'll tell you why, and let's be honest about it. One of the reasons that where we live every day can be a tough mission field, sometimes we're competing. What we say is competing with how we act. It's easy to go somewhere for a week like India, and man, you can be, boy, Eddie Evangelist over there. Because they didn't see that fit you pitched, or they didn't see you be uh, mean to your husband. Loretta, they didn't see any of that. You're not competing. Your words have, if you're not careful, you'll notice, boy, your, your words are a whisper, but how you live your life has a megaphone. You kind of compete with that sometimes. You shouldn't have to go to the other side of the world to be able to be a witness for the Lord. You shouldn't have to get away from all your old girlfriends. Those people you work with, oh, Lordy, they don't even know I got a church. <laughs> Woo! That Christmas party last year, ha, man, I was something. I don't think they'd listen to me talk about Jesus. Well, Jesus says they need to be able to because that's where you start. And then he says you move to Judea and Samaria. And I would say for us, that's like the United States. Man, I I know that it's easy to get caught up in things that 
that don't matter, but standing up for what is right, that's important. Plato said once, the penalty that good men pay for not being interested in politics is to be governed by men worse than themselves. A lot of people, I, I don't get into that. I don't, I don't, I don't want to get into politics. I don't either. But right and wrong has very little to do with politics. Man, protecting our families and our kids and and, and standing up for the truth and all of that is so easy for all of that to run and hide behind the, that veil of politics. And then, oh, well, it's off limits. All of a sudden, you can't preach about it. You can't teach about it. You can't talk about it. It's divisive and all of that. I even know people who say, oh, no, 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 we don't ever, we don't ever talk politics, whatever. Tell me what that means. If it's an issue like right or wrong, like whether or not it's okay to kill a child before it takes its first breath outside the womb, is it, is it, should I leave that alone because somebody's decided that's a political thing? I don't think so. But here's the bottom line. Our world needs Jesus. So badly. If, if the last few years have taught you us anything, taught all of us anything, we got a bunch of smart-looking people that are a bunch of raging fools trying to run this country. Our world doesn't need a new president. We need more than that. And then last of all, the uttermost part of the world. I say this, and people, do you know churches? There are churches that still don't believe it. Well, I know. There are people, actually about a billion the last time I heard. Brother George is going to come and share in a moment, but maybe he can shed more light on it. But last time I heard, we were estimating there's at least a billion people in the world that has never, ever even heard the name Jesus. And churches that like to, you know, hang around the house, not worry too much about a bunch of Muslims off somewhere else or a bunch of crazy people off on the other side of the world that hate America and all of that. People that like to not have to care about them too much, sometimes they kid themselves into believing that, well, there are a lot of them that know the Lord and they said no. And, and, and I, I can just tell you something. There's at least a billion or more that have never heard of him. Never heard of him. And think about the technology that we have in the world. We can fly all over the place. Uh, the internet, unless you live on Hudlow Road. On Hudlow Road, you can reach out with the gospel all the way to that llama across the road that belongs to Ron Mays. About as far as you get with our internet. But I can tell you, we have technology that God has blessed us with. We have no excuse. And, 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 and we can go. Yeah. We can go. We go pretty much wherever we want to go. We can go. Utter 
most parts of the world. Let's pray. Our Father, we ask you this morning to help us to understand, Lord, how foolish it is to even leave this, this, this green chair, to leave this seat, and to even try to do anything until we have been baptized, immersed in your Spirit. Lord, we will be limited to the affordable, the doable, the humanly possible. We will be cursed to do that which is not supernatural, and nothing will work through us in any kind of significant way. But God, if we let your Spirit come into us, if we, Lord, know you as our Savior because you have filled us with your Spirit and, and we have disappeared, then, Lord, you can do awesome things. Not us, but you can do us. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to understand what we're to be. That, God, we don't have to have fine-tuned sermons and eloquent words. We just have to have met you and then tell the world what that is like. Tell the world what you did for us, God. And, Lord, I pray that you'd help us. Help us, Lord, to not be so blind and myopic when it comes to reaching the world. So, so very many, the vast majority, of people who live in America have told you no more than once. And yet, God, we spend 90-something percent of our time and resources trying to tell them again. We have a world around us that's never heard. I pray you convict our hearts, God, and help us with that. Lord, we just give this time to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions or would like to know more about Cornerstone, please visit our website at ServantsWay.com or email us at office at ServantsWay.com. Cornerstone Fellowship is located at 1186 Hudlow Road, Forest City, North Carolina. Please join us again next week.